Welcome to Awards Radar, the podcast, a weekly discussion of the awards races, Hollywood news, and the films you should have on your radar. Here's your host, Joey Magidson. Highway to the podcast zone. We don't get sued. That's different enough, right? We should. Yes, we're back. Podcast. Uh, Miles, how are you? I'm good. I'm uh, ready to go back to the danger zone, but I'll settle for the podcast zone for now. There you go. Would you, would you say you would hold my hand and do that? Is that a Top Gun reference? It's the song from the new one. You saw the movie. I didn't get it. No, it's the Lady right. Gaga song, right? Yeah, yeah, there we go. Okay, yeah. No. We got you. I, I, yeah. We're recording late at night. It's okay. Um, Steve, you're also barely. You're tired, oh, I know. I am barely here. Yeah. Steve is uh, the man behind... Uh, our uh, seemingly infinite amount of television interviews that we have on the site right now, which good thing, but also, you know, they, they don't just appear. There's, there's editing, there's things that go on behind the scenes. So um, if you can imagine the, the guy with all the plates, we all know the image. That's, that's Steve during uh, this part of the Emmy season. So take oh, pity on him. There goes uh, another. Yeah. Oh, crash. Um, all right. We're still on. We're good. It's a, uh, it's an interesting time because we sort of there's things to talk about, but not nearly as much as maybe you would think. Because like can just ended, so we'll talk about the film festival for a minute. But the best you can say about anything is eh, maybe. And you know we're going to talk about Top Gun because it apparently everyone saw it. But you know whatever it does awards wise is very much TBD. But we'll talk about it. So there's a lot of just waiting for more. But we, uh, we have a few things to do. Um, so let's start with, uh, with Ryan McDermott's question, which actually will lead us to one of our topics. So he has wrote in. And he is asking us to do films that competed for last year's Palme d'Or. So I think most people have seen most of these. Oh, we'll, we'll, so we'll see. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you'll be surprised. I don't think anyone's seen all of them, but we're, we're going to have a decent showing. So first up, Annette or Benedetta? Yeah, I've seen neither of them. I'm surprised you haven't seen Annette yet. I heard too many mixed things. I just didn't prioritize it. I think I, think I, I watched some clips online and it looked interesting, but I just kind of didn't go any further than that. It's closer to your jam than I think not. Yeah. It's one I'll get around. Like, I still haven't seen Titan. Like, I'm so far behind on last year. Oh, really? Well, stuff keeps coming out. <laughs> I can't keep up. Yeah. Well, yes. Well, luckily, when you see what Titan is up against in this uh, face-off, you're not going to be that upset. Um, but yeah, I think Annette would work for you. It's got a Kaufman-ish vibe, and you've seen Holy Motors, right? Yeah, I like Holy Motors a lot. I, I, yeah, I do yeah. want to watch it at some point. It just, I didn't prioritize it as much as I would have if I'd heard more glowing things. Fair. Steve, have you seen either? I have. Uh, I'm going to go with That's Benedetta. Right. I I quite enjoyed it. Actually, I think it's on. Is it on Hulu or somewhere right now that you can check it out? I, I want to say they're ISC both film. on Hulu. Yeah. So I, clearly, I, I have some homework. Well, Annette. Annette is a is an Amazon film. So I oh well, then Annette is probably on Amazon based on that information. That's my guess as well. Yeah. I think I'm pretty sure that's on Prime. Benedetta, I'm not sure where it is. It was an IFC move release, so I don't know if they have a. A prioritization with any of the services but um for what it's worth i'm gonna go benedetta too i think annette is a uh, super interesting 
but um, I think when I reviewed it last year, I, I joked that it like dares you to like it almost, which there's nothing wrong with that, but it's a it's a puzzling watch at times. Uh, Benedetta is Paul Verhoeven just like cackling the whole time. He's making a erotic thriller type film about lesbian nuns where there might be magic. Like it's it's very much checklist of things you think he can handle well. Um, it's a lot of fun. That one I almost think you would like more, but maybe uh, less prioritization. I think if I had to guess of the two. We'll yeah, I mean, I, I'd uh, like to see both. I just, you know, there's mm-hmm. only so many hours in the day. Yeah, well, you've definitely seen at least one of the next one. The next one is a hero or memoria. Oh, fuck off. Um, I haven't seen a hero, but it's still going to get my vote because memoria is one yeah. of the most taxing viewing experiences I've ever had. And what blew my mind is coming out of it and like reading up a little bit and seeing that like most people love it which has me yeah. convinced that they watched a different film than I did because <laughs> it's there's tedium. And then there's just like the audacity of a director making you watch a man sleep for 30 minutes. Yeah. I, uh, I hear you. Steve, you saw a hero, right? If you want to watch a man sleep for 30 minutes, uh, fast forward about 10 minutes into this podcast and you can listen to me sleep. Uh, I have seen a hero and, and I enjoyed, I enjoyed it quite a bit and uh, disappointed to, uh, you know, the controversy around it, which I don't don't think it's controversy at this point. I think it's actually scandal at this point. Right. Uh, unfortunately, Um, I haven't paid a ton of attention to it. I know he's, um, accused of plagiarizing some of the story. Um, not mentioned in our interview with him on, on Awards Radar, but feel free to go look at that still. Um, I, yeah, I haven't paid attention to, like, if he's a bad guy now or not. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, oddly, uh, that was that will always hold the distinction of being the first film I ever saw at the Toronto Film Festival. That was that was screening mm-hmm. one last year up in Toronto. Um, I also have not seen Benedet- uh, Memoria yet. I, I actually have the DVD, and I kind of wanted to watch it just for the the assholeness of the film that was told it will only ever play in one theater at a time. And I'm like, well, I have the screener, but I know what it's about and I know it's not going to do it for me. So it's a hero. Um, next up the French dispatcher Bergman Island. Uh, I haven't seen Bergman Island, but I love the French dispatch. So no question there. Steve, I'm going to go French dispatch as well. Uh, Bergman Island was, I, I saw it. I mean, it was okay. I mean, yeah. maybe it's one of the, I think, honestly, I think that's one of the films where the, uh, where I miss the independent film, uh, theater experience going in mm-hmm. to some small little theater in Queens somewhere in Kew Gardens yeah. and sitting down and expecting to watch a film like that with an audience who's appreciating it. Um, Watching everything at home is not the same because the world is distracting, life is distracting, and a film like that is probably much more, much better appreciated in the silence yeah. of a of a theater or near silence of a theater. That's fair. Um, I did. I actually missed Bergman Island, and uh, I don't like the French, French Dispatch, but I will go with it just for virtue of having seen both. Um, I'm gonna save the next one for last because I've seen both of them, and I think everyone has seen both of them. Um, the next one up then is going to be Drive My Car at Tatan. Miles, you get your moment. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I do really want to see Tatan. I just haven't g- 
gotten to it yet. I want to say that's on Hulu. I'll 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 get to it for sure. Um, maybe we can put it up in the polls for the movies that we watch that we talk about thing that we never yeah. got around to naming. Um, we'll get to it. Drive My Car was my favorite film of last year. I absolutely adore it. It's you know, in an era where there's way too many films that are way too fucking long, this was a three-hour film that, you know, I could have watched another hour of. I was just enraptured by it. Mm. Fair. Steve? Hmm. Um, at the time, I liked Drive My Car more. Um, but if I was going to sit down to watch one again, it would be to ten. Because yeah. there's just, I think there's a lot. I, I, a... I, I am tired. I, I've I've hit the the point at least for, right for right now. Give me a buck forty for running time, and that's it. I, and these three hour films that are coming out, like RRR, it's on Netflix. I was just about to say, I'm guessing that you haven't watched it yet. <laughs> I have not watched it because man, three hours. I'm watching full series of of uh, I'm watching full series and full seasons of of shows to be prepared for interviews and everything else to fit in the three hour film is tough. So I'm going to go with to 10, even though uh, it ranked lower on my best of last year. Fair enough. Um, I'm going to go to 10 because drive my car is too long for me. I need to revisit it one day, but yeah, I don't know when 10. I really liked 10. I actually did see in a theater. Um, they screened it for us at, a, at the IFC center. I want to say, Yeah. And and that's a that's a theatrical experience to have. Um, highly recommend. Obviously, it's not happening anymore. But that was the way to see that. Um, Drive My Car is certainly a good movie. I just wasn't on the bandwagon in the same way that many people were. Uh, and the last one, which is personally offensive to me, uh, Red Rocket or the Worst Person in the World. <laughs> Two films that could yeah. have the same title. Yeah, my number one versus my number three. What a what a, what a thing to do to me. Um, damn you, Ryan! <laughs> what yeah. he's good, Ryan. If you're listening, yeah. buddy, you you fucking nail it with these matchups. I tell you what, he does. Um, yeah, uh, these were both films that had been very much hyped up for me, and I don't think I loved either of them as much as the general consensus. Um, I will never forget your uh, response when we did when the one for the podcast episode from when I was in California. When you when we did a half hour on the worst person in the world randomly, oh, where you're like I finally saw it and hyped up, you went, it wasn't bad. Yeah, it was all right. Yeah, yeah and that's I I, I, I I crushed. I was crushed by that. Yeah, I'm sorry. Well, any more crushed than when I told you my wife will never go to a donut shop now because of Red Rocket. I mean, we could consider that, uh, you know, a. Uh, a health conscious move? I don't know. Maybe I'm helping in some way. Uh, li- literally uh, every time we drive past one, she hisses. I mean, listen, I will pass <laughs> that along to Chris and Sean next time. They'll probably be thrilled. Um, but that said, uh, I think Red Rocket definitely benefits from a genuinely amazing lead performance. Um, it's not, it, it's a very well made version of definitely not my cup of tea but I can appreciate that it's well done. Worst person in the world, I think I probably would have liked it better if I didn't have like eight straight months worth of people telling me it's the best movie ever made. Um, It's good. I like the actors in it. Um, The storytelling style is interesting, but it just, it felt like 
less than the sum of its parts for me. Um, yeah, so if you had seen it at at Toronto with me, yeah, if I'd seen it with like to, zero yeah. preconceptions, I, it probably would have ranked a lot. It probably would have made my top ten. I don't know. I mean, yeah. there was a lot of good stuff last year, but um, yeah. Well, listen to this list that we've you know these face offs. There's there's a lot of good stuff in here. Well, exactly. There's not, there's not a single film that's been named that I think is unworthy of, of revisiting. It's just someone buy a time machine and, and so it was not back and seen as a particularly time. strong uh, can last year, I believe. Mm, oh, interesting. Um, it was going in. But yeah, I mean, it's a rock and a hard place of two films I don't feel especially strongly about. Um, I think I'll go worst person in the world because I think the ov- I think I got more out of it ultimately. It's fair. Steve? Yeah, I'll go worst person in the world as well. Anyway, cool. That's um, my top I am ten. Gonna so go red. Yeah. That, yeah. That makes that makes sense. Um, I'm going Red Rock because it was my number one of the year. Worst person was number three. They're they're both phenomenal to me. Either one could have been my number one of the year. Um, I think <laughs> Worst Person was my number one for several days because i didn't i then saw spencer right before i left toronto and that took over but it's uh they're both great they're both amazing i've raved about them long enough that we don't have to waste time late at night to talk about them but i i can't i they're amazing if you haven't seen them get to it like that's not uh any question in my mind uh let's transition to ken so we had talked a little bit about the reception to things last week and then we didn't really know what was going to happen um, for a hot second, so um, Robert and I did predictions, which is always a kind of a fun thing. And when the uh, awards get announced the day of, what happens is essentially your film gets told, like, I wouldn't leave if I were you. And that's their tip that, like, okay, you know, your film is getting something. And the list isn't always accurate. So there was sort of controversy or I guess like rumor that Armageddon time had been mentioned. And when you, we got to the palm, and it didn't, and we really didn't didn't know what was going to win, and that was hand, hand still maybe there. I was like, did I get it right? But it was not. It was Triangle of Sadness, which actually makes uh, uh, Ruben Ostlin the I think it maybe was like the eighth person or something to have multiple palm doors. Like it's it is a very small club, and you would not expect a relatively new filmmaker on the scene to be there, um, but he did. Uh, other things that did very well, um, Claire Denis had a movie that, that tied for the Grand Prix, even though it was not well regarded and close. Close is apparently uh, Neon picked that up, I think. And that's sort of if you want to peg an Oscar movie out of this, because it's apparently emotional and things like that. It's it could be the drive my car of this year. Uh, Park Chan-wook won director for Decision to Leave. Song Kang-ho won direct of an actor for Broker. Um it's going to be interesting to see how those uh, films compete if they both are um, submitted by the same country or not. Because Broker and Decision to Leave could – one of them has two countries that are involved. I think one of them has Japan as an option as well. Don't quote me on this. I have to double check. But I believe there's a way for both to potentially be nominated for the Oscar. Um, Actress went to the lead from Holy Spider, which I think also was rumored to be doing better. The jury prize went to The Eight Mountains and then EO, which is apparently the movie about, uh, was it a, it's a donkey, I think? It's just a movie about a donkey. That apparently is great. Um, so those were the things that took the, the films of the, the prizes of note. 
Um, other things that were in competition, I went home empty hand to Armageddon time, as mentioned. Um, Crimes of the Future, my review should be up on the site by the time you guys uh, listen to this. Miles, I'm sure you're probably hoping to go see it this weekend. Fingers crossed. There you go. Um, other things that were sort of positioned as players, uh, Christian Mungu has uh, RMN, which, God, that filmmaker makes movies that are depressing, but people really like. Um, we So I'm looking at the list. My, uh, Robert and I both got actor right, which is kind of cool. Also good for Song King Ho. And the Dardens got a special prize for their latest film because they are favorite sons of of Khan. But like other than that, I don't I I'm not convinced that these films are gonna make a huge dent in things. I think if you're gonna look at like what's gonna play better with Oscar from the festival, it's the out of competition stuff. You know, we're gonna talk about Top Gun in a little bit a little more at least. Uh there's a world in which Top Gun's a player for some things. Um Elvis. Elvis debuted to I would say mostly positive reviews, but the people who don't like it really don't like it. Um, almost everyone likes Austin Butler. Almost everyone hates Tom Hanks. That's a sentence I didn't think I would say. So it sounds like the Baz Luhrmanniest Baz Luhrmann film ever. Um, well, I'll pause now. Uh, Rob, uh, Miles, mm. feel free to talk about Baz Luhrmann for a second. Oh gosh. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I thought I would catch a little more heat for this, but um, uh, yeah, I did post on Twitter that I'm thinking I'm probably just going to skip Elvis. I didn't really I get seven Oscar nominations now, so you have to. It, I still haven't seen West Side Story, and I don't plan to. That's not yeah, that's no, that's no barrier Story. to entry. <laughs> yeah, but you've seen West Side Story. I don't care. Um, yeah. Well, I haven't seen that version. I'm sure it's fine. I just wish there wasn't a sex pest at the front of it. Anyway, um <laughs> The uh, yeah, Elvis is just I'm not a Baz Luhrmann guy. I like Moulin Rouge well enough, but everything else I've seen of his, I've actively hated. Uh, Romeo plus Juliet and Great Gatsby, especially, were just such chores for me to watch. This looks very Baz Luhrmann y. I'm sure Austin Butler's great, but man, Tom Hanks is listen, he's making some choices and good on him, but I ugh, it just everything about it. I don't really like musician biopics at the best of times. I was yeah. I was legitimately thinking about which other ones I like, and the best I could come up with was like Walk the Line and Some of Rocket Man. I was gonna say Walk Hard. Walk Hard is probably the best one, and like the fact that you still have some of these movies like doing it with a straight face in a post walk hard world is kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Um so yeah, I like I don't know. It would take a lot to convince me to watch it at this point. And I'm have sure you've seen Australia. Uh, I haven't. I have no interest in it. <laughs> it it's so, just, so you're saying that's got to be one of the choices on our poll, right? Ugh. At least, at least <laughs> give me strictly ballroom. That seems like it might be more of an actual movie. Yeah, we'll talk. Um, but yeah, I, 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 you can't make any bold declarations about awards players out of this festival this year, at least. It just didn't seem like there was a clear like going in. This is a huge buzzed about. It's gonna be a thing. Player. And that's fine. You know, that was French Dispatch last year, and it got nothing. So it's it's no guarantee of anything. Um, you know, like I said with uh, last week with Armageddon Time, like James Gray is a filmmaker built to be ignored by the Academy. So unless uh, the script catches on, or, or maybe Anthony Hopkins, who did get very, very strong word of mouth, I, I don't think anything's going to come of it. But 
We'll see. It is funny that the most Oscar-friendly film of the festival, aside from Elvis, is Top Gun Maverick, which uh, I, I am thrilled that it did as well as it did. I, I've raved for a couple weeks now about it. Um, it actually made... I have the numbers for you guys. Its number for the long weekend was... Does anyone have a guess? Or do you, is it, if it, or do you know when you're cheating? Uh, I, I, I think did I know. already read it somewhere. Okay, so I won't have you guys guess. Um, it pulled in $160 million for the four-day domestic weekend, which uh, is absurd considering, in a bubble, it's a Top Gun sequel. It's Tom Cruise, who, you know, we think of him as a reliable box office draw. Do you guys know offhand what his highest uh, opening weekend before this was? Was it one of the Mission uh, Impossibles? It was. Do you know what it made? I think it was much. $67 million. Yeah, it's in the sixties, I believe. It was like fifty to sixty opening weekend, right? Yeah, he his thing is actually. I'm sorry, you're wrong. His previous biggest opening weekend was War of the Worlds at sixty four million. Oh, that's not what I would have guessed. The, the uh, yeah, the Mission Impossible movies play for like four to six weeks, you know, in the top three or five. So that's where they make their money, as opposed to this, where they damn near made their budget back in, in week one. Um, partly due to the fact that the movie is fucking incredible. Um, and I'm glad that literally without fail, almost, I, I, don't, I can't think of a person who I've talked to about it or recommended it to who's seen it and hasn't come back with their expectations at least met. And that is also very rare. Name your giant movie that is apparently great. And there is then the, the reaction of like, yeah, it's not that great. But this has not been the case. And for evidence of that, I, I turn it over to Mr. Hughes. Yeah. So I, you know, even with all the raves that I'd heard, I still went in with pretty tempered expectations. I like the original well enough, but I don't think it's any kind of classic or masterpiece. That said, I only saw it for the first time like last year. Um, but, you know, I like Tom Cruise. I like a good action movie. I, I went in, uh, you know, optimistic. Uh, this thing is awesome. This thing is incredible. Uh, it's, yeah. uh, I think it surpasses the original in every conceivable way. Um, I would, I, I would compare it to other legacy sequels like, uh, Blade Runner 2049 or director Joseph Kaczynski's own Tron Legacy, where it's, you take these movies from the eighties that are good for the time, but maybe are limited by technology or maybe don't have the best story or for one reason or another. And these three are all sequels that I think sort of like live up to the potential of those original films. And that's especially true here with Maverick, where it's just like, I mean, the aerial stuff and all the action sequences are just, you know, they're so tense and so jaw dropping and so like, you know, you're on the edge of your seat. Uh, the third act in particular is an absolute banger. Um, Tom Cruise, I think, is like doing some of his best acting that I've seen in a hot minute. Like, because he's been in this action star mode for quite a while now. We were talking about that last week. That it's been a while since he's given like you know a performance that's not just Tom Cruise as Tom Cruise, which is still entertaining. But here he's like, you know, he's, he's flexing some dramatic muscles a little bit. Uh, Miles Teller, I think it's his best work since whiplash. Um, I, I really found myself surprisingly invested in the dynamic between them. Jennifer Connelly, some of her best work in years. Uh, it's just one of those things where it's not like 
the elements in it aren't crazy surprising. Like if if you're even mildly paying attention, you can sort of see a lot of the beats coming, but they just play those beats so damn well. Like the execution is like on a level that you just kind of don't see as much. Like there's a lot of lazy scripts for movies of this size now and like, or stuff where it's like, they're just sort of perfunctory. This is clearly a film that was made with a lot of love and with a lot of dedication to let's make this the most entertaining version of this of itself. And I think they succeeded with flying colors. Ah, I see what you did there. Uh, I think that's the Tom, that's the Tom Cruise of it all is this is how he does things. And you know, some of these things are, are, are seen in the Mission Impossible movies, especially I think the last one would fall out where it was largely beloved. You know, they're not he's not trying to reinvent the wheel like he's totally happy to make a Hollywood film. But he demands that it be a good one and that it not be lazy and that, you know, I, I like, yeah, the, the beats of this movie are very easy to spot. But you're kind they're also beats you're kind of hoping are what they do. Which is a fine line to walk. And and Miles and I talked about it a little bit once you saw it. But, you know, there's things like the climax of this movie. And, and what they choose to do is, you know, like, I would say a split second before it happens, you're like, well, they're not actually going to do that. And then when you see what they do, you're like, okay, good, I was right. But also, that is the most satisfying version of what I would almost, like, in a bad movie, it would be a cop-out. In this movie, you're like, you want to stand up and cheer. Uh, it's it's really, really well done. Um, to the point where, you know, if you heard about when it was filming, it was Glenn Powell or Miles Teller for the the, the rooster role, the uh, goose's son. And when when they went Miles Teller, which, I, I mean, they're, so, they're both such good actors. I almost feel like it was because Glenn Powell is taller and Tom Cruise does have that thing about height. Um they re they rewrote the role they gave him so it was actually a role and he's great too yeah like it's one of my favorite like you've seen that kind of jock bully sort of douchebag character in so many other things i mean in a lot of ways he's sort of this movie's ice man um yeah. but he nails it like he's really like he manages to make that stock character compelling um yeah, and there's a little bit of an arc yeah, no, and I mean, you know. Just a little bit. He did, yeah. not like, I wouldn't say he learns anything by the end, but he does, you kind of, you come full circle with that character in a satisfying way without it. I, I would say he learned something. Like, it, so the first movie, for anyone who, who isn't familiar, I imagine everyone is aware of it if hasn't seen it. Wait, it's, to, you know, it's Top uh, Gun, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, you got yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Tom Cruise movie, <laughs> yeah, from the 80s. Um, you know, it's very much about, are the your protagonist your your Pete Maverick Mitchell, which what a name, um, learning to be a, a team player, right? That that is the the goal of that movie. That's why if you when you rewatch it, not usually when you watch it the first time, but when you revisit it, you're like Val Kilmer, Iceman, he's right. Like he's not a team player. He is going to get someone killed. Like he's a douchebag about it, but like Val Kilmer's character is right throughout that entire movie. The way they become friends is he earns his trust. So the, the fact that the sequel plays those same beats, but with Maverick now having to impart that stuff that he doesn't like, not that he doesn't believe, but is not in his nature, because you already have scenes throughout the movie of him still being Maverick and still going off on his own and doing things and breaking rules while trying to teach rules to people and then having to tell his superiors, like, I, I can't. It's, it's surprisingly compelling for being a very roundabout way to get to your 
conflict with an unnamed villain, which I love that they did the exact same thing they did in the last one. Like, we won't tell you who they are. Yeah, they're just the enemy. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. And they got fifth generation uh, airplanes. So just whatever, whoever would have that works for you. Like, it's almost like they know that a fair amount of the audience is going to be more conservative than your typical Hollywood film going audience. So they're just like, whoever you want to be racist against, here you go. Have at it. We're just not going to be involved. Put your own hatred onto this film. We're not involved. Uh, I will also say, this is the film most I've wanted to know about the making of a film, of an action film, since uh, Fury Road. Oh, for sure. Because once you hear these things of like, every shot of an airplane is an actual shot of an airplane doing things. Every pilot in the movie, every character playing a pilot is in a plane doing these things. Like, it's... It's absurd. You know, you, you, you believe Tom Cruise is going to be pulling G's and, and, like, trying not to pass out. But it's wild when you're like, oh, Lewis Pullman had to do that, too. And I don't think he knew that when he probably signed on. I, I think I had heard my uh, colleague of mine in the industry, Mike Ryan, had interviewed John Hamm and had asked him about, like, are you, are you bummed out you're not flying a plane? And he's like, it was like 90-10, like 90 relieved because, God, that looks awful. But 10% like, I'm in a Top Gun movie and I'm not going to be in a plane. Ugh. But it's so good. It's just so. Even the Lady Gaga song is a banger. Oh, it's yeah. Just, it's it's the same conversation we had about the Suicide Squad last year. For what it's doing, it's perfect. Yep. I would agree with that. I um, yeah. uh, You were talking about sort of uh, Maverick's sort of, you know, arc throughout the first movie. And um uh, I was listening to um, another podcast I'm a big fan of, The Weekly Planet, and uh, they described uh, his arc in this movie as um, he has to pass a torch to the new generation and then also back to himself. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing about the the film in terms of it wanting to ever so slightly pull, pull one over on you. So much of it is about him training other people to do the thing that in the first movie he would just be assigned to do. And it's it's the closest thing to lazy when they're like uh, he needs to do it also yeah i mean um, it's but that said though there are a couple of things like that and there's a couple of other beats um that i don't think we need to spoil about like you know the resolution of maverick and rooster's relationship and a couple of other things it's like you can see what where it's going and how it's going but i feel like it always gets there organically it never forces yeah. those moments and it's and it gives more than I expected of Tom Cruise having self-doubt, which is not what Tom Cruise does. You know, he's a he is nothing if not a confident performer. And I like that there's a lot of his character being like, I can't do this. Like, or as we learn throughout the, the film, that the the reason that Miles Teller's character is so pissed at him is because Tom Tom Cruise Maverick has been trying to sort of prevent him from doing this life because, you know, his father died with him. So he doesn't want he doesn't want the guilt of that, essentially. And that's caused a, a riff. There's other things we won't spoil. But, like, the idea of they they select him to train for this mission and he's one of the candidates. You know, uh, you're asking me to potentially send this person to their death. Like, that's an impossible choice for me. Whether he's going to be the best or not. It It's all the things that you kind of want out of this movie. And it's, it's shockingly good. Even just, like, the idea that, like, Jennifer Connelly's character, which is... Like, she's not underwritten, but it's not overly developed. Like, they give you enough that you, you buy that they would they would have a relationship. And it helps that she's an unseen character from the first one. And there's just enough reference there. Like, that's where it comes into, like, somebody paid enough attention. I don't know whether that's Tom Cruise, whether that's Christopher McQuarrie, when it's any of the many writers who worked on this over the years. 
that was like, well, no, it can't just be a new one, a new love interest. If we're going to do that, didn't he like fool around with like an admiral's daughter in the first one? And they mentioned that real briefly. What if this is the admiral's daughter? Like there's a bunch of work done for you. It's just smart screenwriting. Yeah, well, that was the thing I think that surprised me is just that the script is very smart. It's very economical. It's paced really well. I think Kaczynski does a wonderful job with the direction and sort of using sort of the craziness of, you know, filming these planes in the air with the actors in them and all that, like making the most of that. And just in the edit, it just it all comes together so fluidly. And like you're fascinated about the making of it sort of after the fact. But when you're watching it, you're just in it. And there's not a second where you don't believe that this is happening. There's like some CGI missiles and some stuff like that that you have to do. But like it's barely noticeable yeah or, or and it's also there's some real funny moments oh my I god it's hilarious the, the first time he he has a crash when he's in his experimental thing, yeah he yeah shows up <laughs> just points at the water and then just goes where am i and the little kid's like is that earth <laughs> yeah it's a great beat of just like yeah and it, like he does kind of look like the 50s spaceman it's almost like a back to the future uh callback but it is it is it's one of those like I, I think if he was I, I, in a different project, I don't know that Tom Cruise would, would, would have gotten for that. Like, if you remember, like, one Mission Impossible movie does that. Like, Ghost Protocol has everything, that, like, failing, like, all the tech, right? That's sort of the, the gimmick of that one is they're, they're on the run and, like, it's not working properly. But largely, he's Superman in all these things. Like, that's his thing. He's invincible. And I like that they, they give you a little bit of, like, well, <laughs> he is a man of a certain age now. So maybe not quite that, but also you get your rush of like, here's this impossible course that none of the trainees can do. And he's going to prove the point by doing it just like on a whim. And it's, and it could be dumb, but instead you're just like, God damn, go Tom Cruise. Well, exactly. So, it, it rides that line between, yeah, he's getting old and yeah, it's probably about time for, you know, the newbies to take over. But at the same time, they never let you forget that he does still got it. Yeah, without question. So I had texted you, I don't think it'll happen, but this is what the 10th slot in Best Picture was made for. Well, that's the thing. I'm seeing, I'm seeing a lot of people sort of writing it off as like, oh, this is too much of a popcorn movie to, to make it at the Oscars. I, man, a, it's way too early to be making any kind of exactly. bold statements because we just don't know what the, what the lineup's going to look like yet. There's so much stuff that we probably haven't even heard of that is going to end up being like a front runner Always. or whatever. It, it, that's just the way the game is. It's, it's too early to, to count those chickens. But like, like when you see a film like this, that's like, it's critically beloved, it's audience beloved, it makes a ton of money, like, people are really rallying around this one in a way that, like, if you're lucky, it'll happen, like, once or twice a year, and I think those are the films, you know, because they, they don't do a very good job of it, but generally speaking, the Oscars clearly want to at least try to include some more popular films, and yeah, I think just like Dune last year, just like uh, Fury Road when it came out, I think this is absolutely a film that can sort of, you know, overcome, you know, however people feel about the original to sort of be like, this is just grade A popcorn entertainment for what it is. You know, I don't know that it would win a lot, but it would probably do very well in tech categories. And yeah, I don't think a Best Picture nomination is off the table at all. I think it depends on yeah. how the competition lines up, which is always the case. But yeah, this is definitely one that uh, that I I could see sticking around 
Oh, yeah. If you if you look at it as like it probably goes in, assuming nothing crazy happens, you know, garden. Let's assume a garden variety year, which never happens, but just easier for predictions. Which um, new predictions going up on Friday, ever so slightly tinkered. Um, it probably walks in if nothing changes with sound as a nomination. Like how? Oh sure, editing has some. Maybe editing, just because you know, there's always the possibility of a couple of the prestige films just taking editing by proxy of being yeah, a prestige yeah. film. Um, and and I think probably song, just because it's Gaga. I think they're oh totally. I think they're totally. Um, it's also a good song. I don't know if it's going to be popular on the radio, just because I'm an old man now. I don't know what goes on on the radio, but it's gonna, probably going to be one of the more listened to songs, which doesn't hurt. Doesn't always mean anything, but then you start to go, well, what if it gets you know, you said editing. What if it gets cinematography? What if it gets score? I don't think it would get visual effects, just because I don't know how much of the effects work is there. But who knows, you know. Um, and then you extrapolate to, like, is adapted screenplay weak? Then you go, like, is actor going to, is, is, are we welcoming back Tom Cruise? I don't think so. But he's definitely moving up a little bit in the rankings because he's a known quantity now. I saw someone tweet about, like, John Hamm and supporting. I'm like, that's... No, that's that's a, that, that's, that's not going to happen. I, that's a that's a it gets picture, it gets actor, it gets screenplay, and he comes along for the ride. Well, even that's if he did, happen. surely he's not getting nominated over Miles Teller. If you're going anyone yeah. supporting, you would think. Um, but yeah, if he gets all those tech things and shows up at like PGA and and shows up here and there, like maybe I, I don't I don't know. But you know, what do I whatever I have it at. In my picture lineup now, in the low forties or something like that, it's moving, moving up quite a bit when I when I finally get around to doing it this week. So, um, before we move on, Steve, wake up. He might actually be asleep. Wake up, get out of bed, get to bed. Well, I was going to find out how much he wanted to, uh, how much more he wants to see it now when he when he wakes up. Steve, wake up. It's just funny he's gonna have to cut this out now. Yeah. <laughs> is he still on the call? He is. Steve, are you muted? Muted or asleep? He might actually be asleep. We we gushed we gushed about Top Gun too long. <laughs> I know. I, I wanted to turn it to him for a second before we we uh, did the trivia game. Um well, right. something tells well, me I've got an edge on the trivia now. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, well, while we uh, while we wait to see what comes of this, you also you saw something else this week, right? Did I? Did you? Oh, I. Oh, yeah, I saw the Bob's Burgers movie. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> it's. I don't have. I mean, a, you have a little more time if you want. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. No, I listen. It's. I don't have a ton to say about it, but. Um, it was probably my wife's most anticipated movie of the year because it's her favorite show, and uh, and she got me into it. And I'm 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 a pretty big fan myself. Uh, it is in very much the same way that the Simpsons movie was. It is a feature length episode of the show. Um, you know, gets a little do- indulgent with the musical numbers, but for the most part, they're pretty good. Um, it's 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 a lot of fun. If you like the uh, if you like the show, you will like the movie. It's as simple as that. That's fair. Oh, and um, um, I also just real quick because uh, I forgot to mention it. Uh, I think last week uh, I also saw the Chippendale Rescue Rangers movie that's on Disney Plus. That, yeah, yeah, that people thing, were digging that one, right? It it, 
kind of slaps. Like I, I had zero expectations going in, but like I saw from the trailer, like, okay, they're kind of trying to do a Roger Rabbit thing. It kind of middle-aged Peter Pan. Yeah. Like it's kind of a worthy successor to Roger Rabbit. I don't think it's as good, but in terms of creativity, like it's everything that like a space jam, new legacy wants to be with shoving like a million cameos in there. But this one difference is like space jam is doing so much by committee. And then, you know, they, they, I think the the first filmmaker left, right. But it was an indie filmmaker who was like, I can't do this. Yeah. And, and Chippendale is a lonely Island movie essentially. Yeah. Well, and it has their kind of anarchistic humor to it. I mean, like there's a billion cameos in it, but they're used in like, creative clever ways and it's clearly done with a love of like the history of animation and like every kind of animation and every style and every trend you can think of gets a look in here like there's a segment where they go to a literal uncanny valley and you see the cats from cats like fighting over trash like that's pretty funny like the space jam it's just like warner brothers look at all the fucking ip we've got but like they're just standing around like yucking it up and like not doing anything like here like there's no studio there's no creative anybody who benefits from the cats from cats being in that movie but it's a funny gag or like you know the ugly design of sonic the hedgehog is like a major supporting character and you would never in a million years expect him to like show up like he's in that movie more than he's in, he was in his own movie and it's just kind of wild. And they like really lean into like his gross human teeth and all the other sort of aspects of it. So it's, I don't know. I thought it was, I thought it was a lot of fun. Also, by the way, Steve, uh, as we mentioned, was tired and a little under the weather. So he's going to call it a show a little early. Um, Also, he hasn't seen Top Gun yet. So don't worry about that. Um, He'll be back next week and uh, you know, he needs a nap and I feel him. So, all good there take care of yourself steve you do so much for us um but i guess yeah what's what's i guess i'll give you a little trivia real quick and uh we'll call it a day see how much you know your top gun trivia oh i'm gonna if this is about the first film i'm gonna fail hard but go for it all right let's try um all right i'll give you a couple at the beginning of the movie a pilot freezes during an encounter with a mig right what's his call sign Yeah, I couldn't tell you for a million dollars. Surely he's not an older woman who likes dating younger men. Cougar? There you go, you got one. Uh, what's the name of the aircraft carrier from the beginning and the end of the movie? Much like they do in Top Gun Maverick. I don't know. The Enterprise. I mean, that should have been just the... Oh, is it? Oh. I guess. Oh, I can get really hard. In what month does Goose die? Psh. Listen, I've seen this movie exactly once, and my memories of it are pretty scant. <laughs> That's fair. Um, well, you get the gist. Yeah. So, uh, you know, what I would say as we as we sort of come to a close is uh, if you somehow didn't see Top Gun, definitely go see it. Yes. And uh, See it in theaters. See it on IMAX if you can. It's well worth your time. Oh, yeah. Um, don't take Steve's silence as anything but being busy with uh with tv and on that note uh look for many of our tv interviews to come um in the next couple weeks a lot of them have been done already and we've just sort of been holding because emmy season has their also like phase for voting which i freely admit i don't know nearly as well as the oscars but um a quick perusal of some of the things we have coming up if you uh want to have your appetite 
wedded. Obviously, this year, um, this week, Danny Boyle popped up on the site, which is a very cool thing. That's the funny part is sometimes you get roundabout ways of getting movie stars. Um, I have my interview with Paul Feig uh, fake coming up soon. Um, other interviews coming soon. Um, Gary Oldman. Adam Scott. Uh, Mackenzie Davis. Phil Dunster from uh, Ted Lasso. Christian Slater. Will Forte. Coleman Domingo. Um, two separate conversations with the writer of Loki because he also wrote Doctor Strange. Um, perhaps another one with Sidney Sweeney. Uh, there were there were several others coming. It is a uh, quite a busy time for the Emmy conversation. I believe there's more. Oh, um, John Cameron Mitchell I'm doing this week, which that should be interesting just because seems like an interesting guy. Um, and I believe there's some more on the on the way, so. Forgives a, forgive us for being a little scattershot, but it is, it is a busy time. Also, the Tribeca Film Festival is about to start, so good on that. Uh, look for some coverage there. But if we're being honest, probably a little less than last year. We'll see. Just because I, I there's a lot going on, and, and it's not virtual. It's going to be in person. I mean, there might be some virtual stuff, but it, it's a big ask, like right in the middle of early June to go into screening rooms all the time when there's other stuff like, like on Monday I have Jurassic world, for example, or, um, next Wednesday, I think it is. So before the next recording, I'll have seen Jurassic world. I think I can talk about it right after the next recording. I have Lightyear. So that's Ooh. just sort of where we are now. Yeah. So interesting things to talk about. We'll always have something to talk about. This is kind of a short episode. It was always going to be a short episode. It got a little shorter. <laughs> um, so let's uh, let's call it a show. Um, say where you can be followed and uh, tell me what your call sign would be. Oh, that's fun. Uh, yeah, so you can follow me on both Twitter and Letterboxd at Miles on Film. That's M-Y-L-E-S on Film. Please check out my short films American Exorcist and Once Upon a Dracula. They are both on YouTube under Aftershock Pictures and Chase Capo, respectively. Uh, please check out my writing for both Awards Radar and for Looper. For the latter, I recently did one of my favorite articles I've done so far for them, which is Disturbing Movies with Stunningly Happy Endings. So nice. give that a look. See. Like men. Uh, yeah, I guess it, I think I wrote it before I had seen men. But yeah, that would probably <laughs> have w- wound up on there. Um, yeah. And my call sign. Um, oh, Kilometer. Okay. Um, what's the what's the name for like if you want to put a baby to sleep, they're gonna have a visit from the, and it puts them to sleep. Why am I spacing on that on that phrase? Uh, <laughs> I have no idea. You what know, you're like talking. like like it's not like the Greek god of sleep, but it's like oh a visit. Oh, like from, uh, the Sandman. The Sandman. There we go. Because um, I'm gonna pretend to be Steve for this. You can follow me at Film Snork, and my call sign would be. The Sandman, because I'm asleep. Seamless. Um, we'll, we'll possibly have to edit that out. Uh, and you can find me at Joey Magazine, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterbox, all that stuff. Awards radars on several of those things. And I actually did the thing. I don't know if you or your screening, my, my press screen had it, the QR code to find your call sign. Oh, no, we didn't have anything um, like that. I did that. And my first one was terrible, so I did it twice. But shh. And I got a better one the second time. I got Nightwing. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, I'll take that one. So from... Uh, Kilometer and Nightwing. 
Uh, this has been uh, the Awards Radar Podcast, and we'll be back next week, probably all three of us. And uh, see you at the movies, and sweet dreams. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and to visit awardsradar.com for the best in awards and entertainment content. <laughs> <laughs>